HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Like my favorite moment, I think it was once that I was standing in the middle of the store and this guy entered like looking very like focused into a pillow and he went directly to a smell it. And I was like, wow, that was awesome. Seriously, you did that? Because they do smell like sheep and like flowers. And and that's what they are for. Like they are to, to, to feel like to, to, to be touched, to, to live, not to be close here. So I really like that part. I'm Luke Griffin, and you're listening to Bushwick, a series that takes you into the extraordinary lives that people lead in one Brooklyn neighborhood as it explodes with arts, activism, and entrepreneurship. Today's episode starts with a question. What are the objects that you interact with the most in your day-to-day life? Chances are you might be thinking of your phone or your computer, but the real answers likely aren't made of metal or plastic. They're probably made of textiles. Whether you're sleeping in your bed, walking down the street, or toweling off after a shower, you're either covering yourself with or utilizing some kind of fabric. The person you're about to meet believes that the relationships we have with these kind of objects informs a lot about the world we live in. She's a designer whose work may just reinvent those relationships, and she hopes help build a better way of living, one hand-woven pillow at a time. This is Bushwick, Episode 5. She is Maria. The streets that connect the breezy green space of Maria Hernandez Park to the bustling bars and restaurants surrounding Bushwick's Jefferson Street L train station are lined with some of the neighborhood's most eye-catching artwork. From more classically styled graffiti to photorealistic portraits that reach several stories high, the murals here attract visitors from around the world. But for all the impressive creativity out in the streets, it's deep within a forgettable blank building in this stretch that one of Bushwick's most ambitious creators is building her next project. She's a designer named Maria Romero. I'm Maria Romero, and I live in Brooklyn. Maria is soft-spoken and warm. She comes across as somewhat reserved when making small talk, but she lights up when discussing more substantial topics, like her work. And these days... There's a lot to discuss. She spends much of her time in her Bushwick studio, a white-walled room filled with a strange assortment of beautiful things. In one corner, shelves of jarred spices and plants hang over a pile of industrial cooking equipment. In another, swatches from a rich rainbow of earth tones cover the wall. There are piles of what look like rugs and pillows, and just above a cluttered desk is a tote bag covered in text that reads, 
we create a better future by embracing our past. Maria ostensibly works in fashion, and here in Bushwick, she's pushing its boundaries by using fashion as a vector for changing the way that people relate to their communities and the world. The basic thinking behind her work is this. If clothes are the objects that people interact with the most, then clothes that reflect better values can help focus and spread those values. If that all sounds a bit lofty, it is. But Maria's already attracting attention from the community here in Bushwick and even from international outlets like Vogue. She's ambitious, but she's grounded in a deeply human, communal spirit and a lifetime of seeing objects and the stories behind them a bit differently than most. Maria was born in Mexico and grew up in Spain. From a young age, she was interested in things that her classmates found odd, like fashion and design. When I was younger and that pressure, like, what do you want to be? And I was, I was, was like a designer and I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to die. Especially in Spain, like in my school, there were like not so many people who wanted to be a designer, and especially not a fashion one. So everyone was looking at me like, oh my gosh, she's just going to like not eat at all. And, and I don't know if uh, it's right to ask you when you are so young, what do you want to be in your life? But every time I think about it, like, I don't think I will do to be anything else. She went on to study textile design at universities in Mexico City and Milan, then started her career as a designer in Italy. In 2012, she moved here to New York, where she began designing clothing for different menswear labels. Specifically, the kinds of mass market brands that get produced on a huge scale. In this mass market world, though, she felt a growing sense of unease. She realized that she was traveling deeper into a system that prioritized growth and excess over quality and impact. The values of mass production and mass consumption felt increasingly incompatible with her own. Everything is mass market. There's nothing really like wrong about it like for me to try to convince people it's just that like it wasn't fitting in my in the way that I see design today and why I think design should be doing and I don't really think repetition and mass consumption are are something that I relate to right now. Maria started her career at a time when the industry was overtaken by something called fast fashion. If you haven't heard of fast fashion before, you've certainly seen it typified by the type of sleek, vaguely Scandinavian clothing that's filled clothing stores across the country. It's the result of production innovations that have made it possible for clothing to go from designers to runways to stores more quickly than ever. And while it's made looking on-trend more affordable for consumers, it's coming at a significant cost to the environment. Producing all of this clothing, which is typically heavy on synthetic fibers and dyes, requires a surprising amount of water and crude oil and generates a significant amount of chemical waste. Astonishingly, much of this clothing is never even worn. Major manufacturers are overstocked to an unprecedented degree and currently sit on billions of dollars in unsold merchandise. Some producers throw away millions in perfectly good clothing each year, a portion of which is even burned as fuel in power plants. Maria, understandably, felt uncomfortable contributing to this cycle of overhyped demand and excessive and sometimes harmful production. In addition to its harsh impact on the environment, Maria saw that the mass production world was changing the culture of consumption itself for the worse. People, she believed, 
were becoming increasingly alienated from their clothes, the objects that they should have felt the closest with. Maria had been keenly interested in our relationships with clothes and textiles since design school, where she came to understand just how important of a role they play in our lives. And then I learned also, like, in the first day, like, that I was surrounded by textiles my whole life and didn't even think about it. Like, in the car. Or this, you don't think this is a textile, you're just sitting in the chair. You know, it, it became like an object more, but that object like touches your body, is your underwear, the sheets where you sleep, the towels that you clean yourself with, and the garments that you wear every day. From inside the fashion world, Maria could see how mass production and fast fashion were changing these relationships by stripping clothing of its value and teaching consumers to understand their most intimate objects as cheap and ephemeral. Because that's the point, like people lost the time situation. Why do you want to have 10 shirts, 10 white shirts? Have one. You know, at the end, like, and I, I learned that in my first winter and in my first summer in New York. First summer, all my dresses, like polyester, very nice, very pretty, very flowy. I was like dying. First winter, all my sweaters, like I have them in every color because you go to the store, it's like $19. So I want a blue or red. I have to wear them all together to be warm in winter. The more she thought about it, the more Maria found herself consumed by the idea of how we could make the things that surround us more responsible. From their form, to their production, to something Maria talks a lot about, their permanence. I'm not selling food or medicine or something that you need to leave. I'm selling you like a pillow or a rug. But I do want it to to have a permanence and to be able, like, if you leave it there, if you discard it, nothing will happen, it'll, it'll disappear. It's all wool, it's all natural, like nothing will harm and it won't stay here for hundreds of years. But it will stay like 90 with you if you take care of it. And a lot of people is like, wow, I'm not even gonna last 90. You give it to your grandchildren or throw it, throw it, but like in the field and they just like, grow back that's for me a responsible object also like something that it's responsible in every way after six years in the industry enough was enough maria was galvanized to find a better way the process wasn't easy Maria spent years exploring how she could affect positive change as a single designer in an industry that she felt increasingly estranged from. For a couple of years, uh, trying to understand what is that I want to do because I didn't want to switch companies or like, like, oh, apply for this designer. And like, I didn't want to do that because at the end, like, it's kind of the same everywhere I feel. And I just don't relate with that world. It's not important for me anymore. Like, I lost the importance of of that kind of embellishment if you want to say it's not that i don't care about clothes or i don't work but i care about like how they're made designed and and that they have a reason to be besides you know so i wanted to do something that had a story that that was permanent in time as she thought she found herself focusing on the stories behind clothing the time shared with it by its producers the memories made in it by its wearers She realized that most of the time, the stories that connect us to our clothes are pretty forgettable. But when they're not, they can be incredibly meaningful. 
I remember when I was little, like my grandmother used to like make all our clothes for me and my cousins. We always match. But it was really nice. Like I actually remember all those outfits, like the leggings. She used to make like the hair accessories also. I don't remember really the rest of the clothes I wore until I see a photo. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that dress, you know? And I was a child and still that's important. It's just, is it, is that, I don't know if it's love. I don't think it's love. Like when I see all these things, like it's made with love. Yes, of course, because at the end I feel like what it really means is that the person making it, it's happy making it more than that is is made with love. So, yeah, just, I wanted to do something that was, like, permanent. If she wanted to create more responsible clothing, the kind that could make a difference in the system and in the lives of consumers, Maria felt that she would have to start with the building blocks of clothing themselves, textiles. Textiles have history. Well, it's not the story of my artisans or my story that you are taking home. Yes, you are if you want to, like, hear about it. But at the end, like, you are going to add another story into that. So that's for me a, a relationship, a, a responsible object, something that you can have a relationship with, and and that is not just an object. But how do you use textiles, these things that are so vital but so taken for granted, as a tool for change? How do you capture something like the warmth of a grandmother's love in a process? Maria needed a way to work through these questions, and she found it somewhere unexpected, in a pillow. Everything started because I was weaving a, a pillow for my house. And I was like, yes, I can do this. I couldn't find a pillow that I wanted. And, I, and it, oh, it was like super crazy expensive. And I was like, no, you can do it. Like, just, let's weave something. You like it better. So I started weaving it and I really liked the pillow. And I was like, wow, I should just be making pillows. And then I like measure time since I'm not a professional weaver. And um, since... I, I don't have time, it takes a long time. So I was like, no, I should do this with people who is professional. So I called my best friend in Mexico and I told her I wanna do this. How do we do it? And she was like, okay, let me see. And like through her, I found someone who was living in Oaxaca and is um, a textile designer as well. When she set out to weave a pillow and explore how to use textiles to create new ways of living, Maria didn't necessarily intend to start an international artisanal supply chain. But through her best friend in Mexico, she began a partnership with textile producers in the southern Mexican state of Oaxaca. This was the breakthrough that Maria had been looking for. Oaxaca has one of the world's richest textile traditions, dating back centuries through its indigenous cultures, in particular, the Zapotec. Present-day Oaxaca has one of Mexico's largest and most diverse indigenous populations, the people of which are carrying on crafting traditions that have been passed down for countless generations. And these traditions are beautiful. The region is remarkably biodiverse, and the environment here produces some of the highest quality natural dyes and textiles you can get. Despite being one of Mexico's poorest states, Oaxaca draws people from around the world to see and learn from its crafting techniques. In this slow, deeply intimate production culture, Maria found the diametric opposite of the mass market world she'd begun to reject. And she built on that inspiration to formally start her own studio, one that married her designs with Oaxacan traditions to create products that truly reflected the values that she wanted to see in the consumer world. Slowly, 
She began to build out a team of local producers with skills that leverage the unique expertise of the Oaxacan culture, like natural dyes. So what I wanted to explore when I went there was color. I, I was like fascinated by their natural dyes and how like they are just around them all the time. So, yeah, I chose four colors, the gray that comes from Oregon cactus, the pink, which is the cochineal, the blue is indigo, and the yellow is marigolds. And it's all local natural dyes from the Oaxacan Valley. And with all those colors, I did the first collection. Yes, it took forever. It took like a long time, uh, but but it was nice. It was nice and it was a learning process for everyone, even for the artisans. The studio's first product was a rug, one Maria still has tucked away here in her Bushwick studio. Its colors, these incredible pinks, blues, yellows, and grays, were pulled directly from some of Oaxaca's most traditional dyes, variations of which she still uses today. From that rug, she's since expanded into other products like pillows, blankets, and women's clothing. The studio has become Maria's flagship vehicle for generating the kinds of responsible objects that she believes can help reshape our relationships with our worlds and the things in them for the better. But for as effective as the studio might be at creating amazing products, there's one major catch standing in the way of it leading to the kind of change that Maria's working toward. Maria's products are expensive. And for the average consumer, particularly in a working-class neighborhood like Bushwick, even one of her rugs would be a pretty significant investment. Maria realized that she needed to address this issue of accessibility, and last year embarked on a new project, one designed to leverage consumers' own communities to transform the things that they already owned into more responsible objects. Growing up, Maria was deeply influenced by the Spanish concept of the barrio. In English, it translates simply to the neighborhood, but taken in context, it represents this idea of neighborhoods as unique, cultural, self-sustaining communities. There's like the bread shop, and there's the fruit shop, and there's the cleaners, and there's the... From every like five blocks, you know, and everyone knows everyone. Hey, good morning, the butcher, you know what I mean? And it's not like village, it's just like our way. Maria describes herself as very barrio and it shows in the communal spirit of her work. At its heart, Maria Romero Studio seems to declare that more responsible objects can help inform more responsible people, which, in turn, can help inform better overall communities. But Maria realized that the inverse could also be true. Better communities could help produce more responsible products and more responsible people. She leveraged this idea to address the accessibility problem with her custom-made products and came up with a pretty radical solution something she calls Tintereria. So Tintereria is a natural dye house. We're very small, this is what you see, but our goal is to be able to dye like as much clothing as we can for people to don't throw it away or donate it. In contemporary Spanish, the word Tintereria typically refers to something like a dry cleaners. But historically, it's referred to something closer to a dye house, where a community would take their clothes to be treated and colored. Maria's modern Tintereria builds on this history, only now she uses natural dyes to breathe new life and new permanence into people's old clothing. Think of it as a no-cost way for people to get more responsible objects. Reducing waste, embracing permanence, and doing some small part 
to slow down the cycle of mass production. What makes Tintoreria such a barrio solution, though, is that as Maria sees it, it's the seed of a growing network of locals coming together for the common good. Some of the supplies for Maria's dyes are brought up from Oaxaca, but most are sourced directly from the greater Brooklyn community that surrounds Bushwick. So I'm using two things from Oaxaca because I wanted to bring like those uh, into, the, into the game because they think are really very vibrant colors. Uh, and then I try to work with color that I can outsource from local restaurants or gardens. One is the acorn, the other ones are the avocados that are donated by two restaurants in Williamsburg. Maria works with local restaurants and gardens to gather ingredients like avocado pits, acorns, and onion skins to produce the natural dyes at the heart of Tintoreria. As she describes it, her process is a lot like brewing teas. She boils different ingredients to create dye baths for the clothing, hence the food and kitchen supplies that are scattered around her studio. Sometimes the results go as expected, like when onion skins make a brownish green, but other times they're more surprising, like when avocado pits make a reddish pink. Maria's waste-heavy approach may seem like an unusual strategy, but it's one that creates a surprising opportunity for the neighborhood to be more responsible together. Residents and businesses alike work with Maria to upcycle that waste in the form of clothing and food that would otherwise be garbage for the greater good of the community. And in this way, Maria understands that for Tintoreria to make the impact she's hoping for, the true work lies not in making the best dyes, but in building the strongest connections. With the restaurants, he's a friend, so he helped me out. And with... Uh, the stores is weird and it's complicated still because every time I go I have to explain the whole thing again because they keep on like every time I go is not the same person working they never understand it they are always like okay okay but like they don't really like understand what I'm doing even though if I explain them I have brought like the things they still think like I'm like a weird person picking up like onion skins from the basket in the supermarket Tintoreria is for now at least a small project limited by Maria's personal capacity and the humble production facility that she runs out of her Bushwick workspace. But it's steadily growing. She recently expanded Tintoreria from being available only in Brooklyn to being available nationwide, and she's launched a new collection of naturally dyed basics like socks and underwear called Tintoreria Closet, which you can order now online. With each new step, Maria is making her responsible objects and the philosophy behind them more and more accessible. Maria understands that at the end of the day, producing great products or giving old clothes new colors or even bringing together locals in a community only goes so far toward helping to build a more responsible world. Yet she's keenly aware of just how meaningful even personal changes can be in catalyzing something greater. She takes her own journey as an example. I was the one who was in Sara every Friday just to check it out, you know? Uh, I was the one doing online shopping and I was the one who wanted seven sweaters, one in each color, on sale. But I'm not anymore. Like for me now, like sometimes I walk into Sara and like before I will find like 10 things and today like I have to force myself. And I guess it's not because it's not nice anymore or I just guess like I'm not connected anymore. 
like it's just like you know uh, I'm just not there so for me that was a big change like to to do that to like if I'm saying like I want this and I don't want to like keep on producing a repetition like why will like have that in my closet Maria is bringing together what is today at least a niche community but it's one that may yet be the start of a true movement the words that hang in Maria's studio we create a better future by embracing our past neatly capture the ethos of where she's heading with both Maria Romero textiles and Tintoreria it's less a rejection of the modern world itself than it is a rejection of the kinds of irresponsibility and disconnection that the modern world seems to beget. Maria believes in the power of the stories behind the things we surround ourselves with. With her textiles and her dye house and the community of conscious consumers she's building, she's adding to a new story that she dreams may help start a new kind of barrio. Like what I will really love to do, and I'm I'm not doing anything about it yet because I'm starting like just to like settle Maria and Tintoreria, but I want to make a plan. Like I I, I want to find more people that like things that we should do that and and move move somewhere like somewhere nice that we are like a little bit like on our own world, close from a city, but and make like a new Bauhaus. You know, with like shoemakers and like like a little village, like a barrio again, you know, and have our own lands. And I don't know, it sounds very like, ooh, but I will love that. This would, of course, be a long ways off. And for now, success is still very much measured by the traction of her early ventures and the consumers that they can attract. But in the face of the practicalities of doing business, particularly as a small unit in a massive industry, Maria remains remarkably focused on what's driving her, using design to help solve problems, at the very least, one step at a time. There are like two things that I I really want to never lose as a designer and as a person. And one is being able to create something that I feel for. If I'm not feeling it, it's just not going to be good. And then I really don't think it'll exist. And the other one is to don't lose the illusion. You know, like I, I'm very uh, persistent and patient. And if I really want to do it, I'm going to do it. Slowly, perhaps, but steadily, her persistence is paying off. She's creating products that she believes in, in ways that reflect the values that drive her. And most importantly of all, her products are starting to activate the relationships she thinks we need more of in the world. The intimate kinds, where how something feels, or even smells, says everything you need to know about it. The moments that excite Maria are those like the one she had at her first pop-up earlier this year. It was my first time like being exposed to, to people with my product. Like All this time it's been me in my studio looking at them. And and suddenly, like, it, it was very nice. Like, my favorite moment, I think it was once that I was standing in the middle of the store and this guy entered, like, looking very, like, focused into a pillow and he went directly to smell it. And I was like, wow, that was awesome. Seriously, you did that? Because they do smell, like, sheep and, like, flowers. And and that's what they are for. Like, they are to... to, to feel like to, to, to be touched, to, to leave, not to be close here. 
So I really like that part. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again in two weeks for episode six. I want to send an enormous thank you to Maria and the team behind her studio. You can find out more about the latest developments in her incredible work at her website, sheismaria.com. If you're just joining us and you enjoyed this week's episode, you'll love episodes one through four. They'll introduce you to other extraordinary journeys happening in the neighborhood, like that of episode four's Melissa Madeira. She and her community at Catland, Bushwick's own occult bookstore, are building one of the neighborhood's most radical and inclusive communities. It's a story you won't want to miss. In the meantime, I'd love for you to join our community and follow us on Instagram, at Bushwick Podcast. If you're in the neighborhood or interested in getting involved, let's work together. Send us a message either in the DMs or by emailing us at hello at herebushwick.com. That's H-E-A-R bushwick.com. Tell a friend, and if you have a moment, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your support will help us share the incredible stories happening here in Bushwick, like Maria's, with even more people, and we can't thank you enough for that opportunity.